have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and let them know how much you love them. Beginning a series today entitled, Grace is Greater. Grace is Greater. We're going to be looking at three different passages of Scripture today. Romans 3.23, John 4, 1-30, and John 21, 15-19. We're going to look at those passages to see how God's grace is greater. Uh, a lot of the illustrations and some of the thoughts I'm going to take are coming from Kyle Eidelman's book entitled Grace is Greater. I picked this up at Mardell's. It's there. You can pick it up. I would encourage you to pick it up. Uh, you can order it online. We're going to be in this for the next three weeks. Speaking of grace is greater. Grace is greater than my hurts, greater than my past. And uh, uh, what's the third one? I have zero memory. But anyway, I want you to be here and be a part of these, this study. But this book would be great for you to have. I know you would get a lot from it. I've also got a picture of it, I think, on your outline, uh, your insert, so that you can remember uh, who wrote it and what it is. But I would encourage you to grab hold of that. Uh, so this morning, we're going to look, first of all, in, Gal- in Romans 3.23. So our memory verse for the week is this, and we want to look at it a little closer. So if you would uh, find that in your Bible that you held up just now. And let's take a look at it here in just a second. Have you ever had a sin in your life that you thought was so great, you're not sure God could really truly forgive you of that sin? Okay. I mean, I'm raising my hand because I I understand that. Okay. Do you also understand that His blood at the cross took care of that? Do you understand that? Okay, the problem with understanding and application is they're not always the same. Understanding and application are not always the same. No sin is so great, no bitterness so deep, well, that's a powerful one, no bitterness so deep that God's grace cannot transform the heart and rewrite the story. No sin is so great, no bitterness so deep, that God's grace cannot transform the heart and rewrite the story. That is a profound statement. We have got to get to our walk with God, in our walk with God, in our lives with God, to a point where our past, and that's what we're going to talk about today, our mistakes. God is greater. Grace is greater than my mistakes. We've got to get to the point where God's grace is applied even to us. And we've applied it to others. They ask us to forgive them, and what do we do? Sure, no problem at all. Forgive you. In other words... I'm extending grace to you. 
Have you discovered in your life that when grace has been extended to you, it is a bit easier than for you to extend grace to other people? You bet. You bet. But here's what I want you to grasp through this whole series. That grace, you don't have to wait for someone else to extend it to you. It's already been extended to you through the love of Jesus Christ. It's already been extended. Let's go to Romans 3. In the context of this verse that we know, we've read, we've heard many, many times, is righteousness through faith. I want to go back to verse 21. But now a righteous man from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there is no difference. That's where our verse comes in. For all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. But let's keep going. Verse 24. And are justified freely by His, what does your Bible say? Grace. Through what? The redemption of that came by Christ Jesus. Very clear. Grace has been extended because we all are sinners, which you would say amen, unless you may claim that you never sin. And if you're claiming you never sin, then you've got a problem because First John 1 says that you're making God out to be a liar if you say you never sin. I had a lady tell me one time, She said, I've been reading through the book of James. I don't find anything in that book that applies to me. I said, of all books in the Bible, the book of James, you wouldn't find anything in James? She wasn't reading it very well. I mean, if you go to chapter 3 in James, it says the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and you can't control it. So I mentioned that. She claimed I was saying to her that she was a malicious gossip. I didn't say that. I just said your tongue's out of control. So I must have been true because look what she did. (laughs) But nothing applied to her. You see, that's the problem with knowing and yet not applying. We have to apply what the Word of God says. Look at this. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by the grace through the redemption. So without Christ's redemption, you and I don't have grace. Got none. Because the bottom line is we're all sinners. And if you stay a sinner, hell is where you're going. I've had several comments about our sign out front. The party in hell has been canceled due to fire. (laughs) Really? We have no idea about the fire. But what a powerful verse. What a powerful verse. In the dictionary, there are new words all the time that prop up. found a few of them this week. Phoenicia. I forgot to look up what they they mean, but I just was overtaken by these words. Phoenicia. Disconfect. How about blame storming? I like that one. 
you hear the word grace, the tendency is, hey, I know what grace means. Hey, yeah, I know that. And yes, she's more than just a girl that you grew up with in, in school. Okay. Grace is something we hear about all the time and we believe all the time. Yeah, 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 I've got grace. Yeah, 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 grace. Yeah, 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 grace. But we forget the redemptive power that comes with grace. My sins, my mistakes in life, grace is greater. Grace is greater. So we've got three points today. Number one, the more we recognize the ugliness of our sin, the more we can appreciate the beauty of God's grace. The more we recognize the ugliness of our sin, the more we can appreciate the beauty of God's grace. Is that not a powerful statement? Our ability... Grab this from from the book. Our ability to appreciate grace is in direct correlation to the degree to which we acknowledge our need for it. How many times a day do you thank God for His forgiving grace? From day sunup to sundown. Never forget. Never go a day that you don't thank God for His marvelous grace that He puts upon you. Because He's got it poured all over you. Poured all over you. Every day. Every day. There's a story that was in the book that I was uh, intrigued by. How many of you know the name Michael Bloomberg? Wealthy. Billionaire, I think they call him. Billionaire Michael Bloomberg was the mayor of New York City at one time. Michael Bloomberg is like so many people in life. He was um, at a uh, uh, turning 72 years old and was being interviewed at his 50th or for his 50th college reunion. And Michael Bloomberg talked about how Sobering it was for him to realize how many of his classmates had already passed away. And so the journalist was asking him, did he seem worried that at his age that he might die relatively soon? And here's what the journalist put down. He said, but if Bloomberg senses that he may not have as much time left as he would like... He has little doubt about what would await him at a judgment day. Pointing to his work on gun safety, obesity, and smoking cessation, he said with a grin, this is Michael Bloomberg, quote, I am telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. So you see, from his perspective, grace isn't needed or even wanted. Because of all of his good works, look at me. You know, we played that uh, video a few weeks ago with Aaron dancing with his group at, at work. Well, he's a good guy, isn't he? 
Well, Aaron doesn't need God. He just go. He just go right in. Anybody can dance like that ought to be right in heaven. Amen. I mean, I mean. Isn't that something? But you see, that's the problem with the statement that he made, Bloomberg made, is that he believes all of his good that he's done will warrant his ability to walk into heaven. No questions asked. You know anybody like that? Yeah. We work hard in our walk with God. We work hard at convincing ourselves and others that we're not that bad. But the truth is, we are worse than we ever imagined. The more you push back on that idea, the more you push back on experiencing God's grace. When you think that what you do is so good that God can't help but take you to heaven, you don't even understand the grace of God. And you'll be hard to receive the grace of God because it's all about you and not about what God has done for you. Understand? So you need to apply that. And understand that all of us are sinners, but the reason that we're a sinner and the only hope that we have is attached to the redemptive work of Christ in each of us. Now, let's go to our second point. Now, turn with me over to John chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4. And we're going to look at a story, verses 1 through 30. You might say, well, 30 verses. Yeah, hang in there. I'll summarize. Second point. God's grace is more beautiful than our brokenness. God's grace is more beautiful than our brokenness. John 4, verses 1 through 30, is a story of the Samaritan woman. How many of you know this story? The Samaritan woman. Okay, a few of you. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So there's proof that Jesus wasn't necessarily doing any of the baptisms. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his own son Joseph. I'm in verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, so in our clock understanding, it was around noon. So it's pretty hot. Noon in Samaria, a little on the warm side. Don't care what kind of year it is. But it was hot. Well, he sits down by the well. Why didn't he draw water? Why didn't he just sit down by the well? Aha. Uh-huh. You perceive a lesson is yet to be coming, huh? <clears throat> Pick up verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to the, draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? See, his disciples had already gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? I mean, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God 
And who it is that asks you for a drink, <clears throat> you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who, was, who gave us the well and drank from it? Himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. You see, right there, in that verse, it proves that she knew about God. She knew about godly things. She had heard them. They had been taught to her. In some way, she knew about the gods, the God of Jacob. She knew about this well, and she knew the story behind it. <clears throat> and his son Joseph. Jesus says in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Oh, I have no husband, she said. <clears throat> So Jesus says, well, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Uh-oh. Her past just caught up with her. Her past just caught Her brokenness just was exposed. See it? Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on, on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the t true worship, uh, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are a kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Ooh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You see what's happening? In her brokenness, healing is being provided. Did Jesus judge her? He simply did the truth of her statement. I don't have a husband. Well, no, you don't. You've had five and you're with one now that you're sleeping with. And you're unmarried. So it must be important that we be married when we sleep with each other. Amen? There's a tendency to get ahead of that. When God brings a blessing, when you want God to bless what you do, and especially a marriage, you don't want to get the cart before the horse. Just get it back behind there. Well, what if we've already done it, preacher? Then do it anyway. Get it back behind there. Because there is a blessing. 
God can restore where the locusts have eaten away. And God's going to restore this woman. He's going to do it. You'll see it. You'll see it. Because when God's grace and mercy collide, when God's mercy and, and, and grace collide with our shame and our guilt, it's messy, but it's beautiful. You see, Jesus knows everything you ever did. But He wants to make sure you know that His grace is greater. Now let's go on in the story. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. Wait a minute. I jumped way ahead, didn't I? Go back to 27. Jesus just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to the woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? I mean, they understood that something was happening here. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But jump down to 39. And what is the result of her encounter with Jesus? Many of the Samaritans from that, from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So whatever happened in her brokenness, as Jesus exposed the brokenness, he then brought healing to the brokenness because something happened in her. It says that she went and then told people in town who she had met and what was going on. This was totally contrary to her because she was well known in the town of who she was. And what she was. You see, you see it? That's why she came at noon to draw water when none of the other women are around. The women always went early in the morning. And that's where they got their gossip done. At the water well. They go out the water well, find out what's going on with Mildred and Ruth and Boaz and you know all the people down the road. Find out what's going on. But she had to come at noon because she was an outcast. She was a broken person. She needed healing but didn't know it. And yet Jesus came and brought the healing. And He's got that for you today as well. And when mercy and grace collide with our shame and guilt, it's messy, but it can be a beautiful ending. When you're all cleaned up and you're brought into full fellowship with Christ, it can be a beautiful thing. I know we all have sins in our past. I, I use the phrase, we've all got a past we just didn't forget. Now, if you're young, you don't have a whole lot of those. Hallelujah. But if you've lived a while, like some of us, eh, we've got a few. And we remember them. Because they leave scars. <clears throat> but here's what I know about a scar. A scar tells me that a wound healed. That's why I have a scar there. I had a wound, but now it's healed. I believe with all of my heart that God can show us spiritual scars. He lets us see them so that we can remember that we're healed from a past wound or a past mistake. I believe it with all my heart. So whatever it is that you raised your hand earlier when I said, is there a sin in your life that you did that you believe God hadn't forgiven you of? And some of you raised your hand. 
I'm here to tell you that God can, God has forgiven you of that sin. You need to let it go. But I know certain sins can create guilt in your life. You can carry them forever. If you had sex out of wedlock and a baby comes from that or you've had a divorce or you've had... I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. God knows what it is. And the beautiful part about God... He'll heal it. He will, Blondine. He will heal you from whatever that sin is. Whatever that mistake was, God can heal you. Wants to heal you. He does not run from you. Because you see, the worst thing that could happen is that you spend your life trying to outrun God because you think He's chasing you to collect what you owe. He's coming to get what's due. When really, He's chasing you to give you what you could never afford. God is chasing you to say, Give that to me, please. Let me have it. I got it. I got it. We can do this. We can get through this. I, we got it. Come on. Let me have it. And you go to the cross, and you get on your knees, and you pray to God. And then you get up and put it back on and walk away. Because you don't think He's big enough to handle it. He's running after you, chasing after you, to give you what you could never afford. His grace. God is greater. And grace is greater. And grace is more beautiful than your brokenness. God's grace is more beautiful than your brokenness. Number three. Turn to John chapter 21. We're going to look at uh, verses 15 through 19. Point number three is that God's grace redeems all of our past regrets. God's grace redeems all of our past regrets. Jesus is telling us. let's, Let's look at our passage first. Let's look at verses 15 through 19. John 21. When they finished eating, Jesus said... To Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you really or do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, that when you you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you uh, need uh, do not want to go. And Jesus said uh, to this, he said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus is reinstating Peter. He's wanting Peter to understand that he's been redeemed from his past regret. Jesus is telling him that he doesn't have to be imprisoned by his regrets. Jesus still has a great plan for Peter. Grace has the power to redeem regret. Wow. And that sin that you've raised your hand about, you have regret attached to that sin. You ever wished you could go back and undo it? Oh, I have. Man. <laughs> I wish I could go back and undo a lot of things. You ever? Somebody ever posed the question, well, if you were 25 again, would you do anything different? Oh, one or two. One or two. But we don't get to go back. It is what it is. We are who we are. And the mistakes that we made, Jesus covered on the cross. Always remember that. Always remember that. Never believe the lie of Satan that says what you did in your past, you should regret and hold against yourself because I'll guarantee you God's holding it against you. That's what Satan's telling you. Couldn't be more farther from the truth. Some of us have pretty scandalous things in our past. Amen? Some of us are scoundrels. <laughs> you ever made such a mistake that you try to cover it up? We have a door at our house where there's a hole in the door where someone, not me, so there's four other choices and not her, so there's three other choices. Two of them didn't do it and one of them did. And I'll let you figure it out. There's a hole in the door. Still there to this day. My wife says it's because I'm too lazy to replace the door. Well, it could be. That may be. But there's two things that I get from that hole in the door. My own temper and a reminder of my son's temper. And whenever my son is in the home, I like for him to see the hole in the door. To remind him of the temper that he had at one time. Because whenever you lose your temper, you have given Satan complete control of your life at that moment. Because you do really stupid stuff, right? I've never seen anybody who loses their temper that didn't do really godly things. I guess I've never seen a guy lose his temper and then go win somebody to Christ. No, I just haven't done it. <clears throat> just haven't done it. I've seen a guy lose his temper and then take communion. No, I just haven't done it. I've seen a guy lose his temper and hit things. Kick things, beat things, slap things, say things that you regret. Well, the good news is, God has unhitched the regret from the sin and He covered it at Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But sometimes we'll, we'll take a, like a, like I say, a hole in the door, and rather than fix it, we'll just hang something over it so if we cover it, we can't see it, and it must be okay. 
Kyle Allman talks about a time in his life where that happened to him. He got mad at his wife and he hit the hole, hit the door and put a hole in it. So he went down to the dime store and he bought a cheap mirror and he hung over it and out of sight, out of mind. And it was a few years later, they were laying in bed one night and he said, and all of a sudden he hears this tremendous crash in the bathroom where the closet door was. Gets up, goes and looks, and sure enough, what had happened, the mirror had lost its adhesiveness and crashed. And this was the great part of the story. He said, as I looked at the glass shattered on the floor, he said, I could see my reflection in each piece. He said, so what I had tried to cover up, I'm not so sure God didn't just expose so that I could grow from it and be healed from it. And so he said, every, he, he knelt down, he started picking up the pieces, and his wife came and looked in, and she said, what, what happened? He goes, well, I think God's trying to give, teach me a lesson. And so she knelt down and helped pick up pieces, just like God would. Just like God would. And so he felt compelled on Sunday. Now, by the way, Kyle preaches at a church that runs 20,000 people every weekend. That's a lot of people. But he felt compelled to share this story at church the next Sunday, that, that day. It was on Sunday morning, early, that he, this happened. <laughs> we asked her permission. She said, well, if you think God needs you to tell it, go ahead. So he did. He said, well, I don't want to embarrass you that you've got a husband that's out of control. She said, it's all right. So he gets up and he shares the story. And he talked about the redemption. And he said, God, I, was, I saw myself in every piece and as I picked it up, I felt God's forgiveness each time I picked up a piece. He said, and my wife knelt down and helped me, so that extended that forgiveness. And I thanked her. I asked her and to forgive me, and I asked God to forgive me through tears. That day. And he, So he's telling a story. And he says, at the end of the service, he looked up and there were men. Men. Standing in line, waiting to come talk to him. He said the first man in line was one of his spiritual advisors at the church, a man that he, got, he thought was one of the most godly men that he'd ever met, he ever knew. He said that man walked up to him and put his arm around him. He said, man, I have a, I have a hole in my door too. So he told him a little bit of the story, and then he looked up, and there was the next man, the next man, the next man. He said every service I preached that weekend and told this story, he had man after man after man standing in line saying, I've got a hole in my door too. You see, we've all got holes in our doors. We've all got broken mirrors on the floor, and God is staring back at us, and we're looking at ourselves in every broken piece. And God is ready to heal us, forgive us, cleanse us, take it away from us. But we refuse to let Him. Would you today? Consider letting Him. Because our regrets should lead to remorse. Our regrets should lead to remorse. And remorse should lead to repentance. And repentance to forgiveness. And to forgiveness the understanding of God's almighty grace. Father, I ask You today. Through these stories we've looked at, through the passages we've looked at, 
would you impress upon each person here how much you love them? God, there's people carrying bitterness that they need to let go of. They need to repent and let go of it. They've carried it for too long. It's eating them up. They can't seem to function well because of the bitterness that they've got deep in their heart. So God, I'm praying that Your Spirit will be allowed to stir in that area. And I say it that way because you're not going to force your way in. We're going to have to allow you. But I'm so grateful that sometimes you might knock mirrors off of a wall to expose some things that we regret so that we can experience that healing and that forgiveness that you can give. So God, is there just one today that who hasn't experienced your grace would experience it? Would they understand how much you love them? And would they understand that brokenness can be made beautiful? That regrets can be redeemed? God, would you just impress on them that fact, that knowledge, and let your spirit move and touch and heal. In Jesus' name, amen. Great song of faith as we prepare to sing. I I just pray that you're letting and hearing from God because God wants so much to bring healing to your life. Jesus, I come. Let's stand and sing together. Mm -hmm.